This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Love Brand You, the show about personal branding, how your values, beliefs, and actions help you define and discover your calling and the evolution of you and your brand. Here's your host, Sam Rafus. Hi, and welcome to Love Brand You. I'm Sam Rafus. Today on the show, my guest and I are talking about the long game of building a business and a brand. I've mentioned it before that we often fall into believing that the person we aspire to emulate was somehow lucky in their overnight success. (laughs) While those of us that have or those that have made it will tell you a much different story. I often refer to a quote that I love from Malcolm Gladwell when I'm talking with clients and I will, I'll say to them, you know, in his book, The Outliers, he says, researchers have settled on what they believe is the magic number for true expertise, which is 10,000 hours. Furthermore, he talks about to become a chess grandmaster also seems to take about 10 years. Only the legendary Bobby Fischer got to that elite level in less than that amount of time. It took him nine years. And what's 10 years? Well, it's roughly how long it takes to put in 10,000 hours of hard practice. 10,000 hours is the magic number of greatness. And for some, it's much longer than 10 years. I love the book by Napoleon Hill, and he talks about, you know, 25 years it took him from interviewing over 500 people for writing the book to, you know, analyzing and conducting his research, analyzing it, and putting it into the book that we now know today as Think and Grow Rich. So if you think about it, any artist, musician, athlete, CEO, business owner, celebrity, any entrepreneur like myself and the business owner that I'll be talking with today, we can certainly tell you of the blood, sweat, tears, and the hard work that it's taken, you know, on our own journey of success. So whatever it is that you love is really what is going to put you into that realm of practicing because if you absolutely don't love what you are doing, I don't know that I've met any expert that has spent that 10,000 hours. If you're not loving what you're doing, you're, I just don't see you there. So Today's guest is not only a pioneer in her field, she is truly a leading expert. I've had the pleasure of getting to know her for uh, the past few years at least, probably four or five years anyway, and I continue to be blown away by her magnificence. She is one of those people that radiates goodness, light, and love. Joining me on Love Brand You today is Jennifer Buchanan. She is a certified music therapist, the author of Tune In, 
She's the past president of the Canadian Association of Music Therapists and the owner of JB Music Therapy. She didn't put this part in when I asked her for her bio, and I, of course, I do research on my guests. I do poke around and see what else there is to know that I don't, that I don't know, and I thought, that Jennifer, she continues to be so humble, and I have to read a little bit more from what I found out about her. She has appeared as a guest on numerous news and current affairs programs, including Fox News, Health, NBC, CBS, CBC Radio, CBC Television, CTV, Global TV, and has been featured in publications such as the Huffington Post, Chatelaine Magazine, and Canadian Living. I could go on and on, but I know she's looking at me like, okay, enough already. (laughs) Um, Jennifer is instrumental in the implementation of hundreds of music therapy programs through the efforts of her 24 person specialized team. Their youngest client is two months and their eldest is 104 years old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Jennifer. Ah, Sam, thank you. That was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Well, I, I absolutely love every guest I have on the show, and I'm always... I'm always, I'm surprised by the humility and the graciousness of my guests. And I believe that it's my right <laughs> as the show host to, to shine the light on my guests where you might not do that yourself. So I like to, I like to let our listeners know uh, all about my guests. So Jennifer, maybe that's that's part of that trailblazing spirit in a lot of us, hey, where um, you're just so used to just doing the job, just doing what needs to be done in the day. And sometimes it takes somebody else to point out the points of celebration um, because you've already moved to the next thing. (laughs) So you you might not have taken the time to celebrate it uh, as much as perhaps sometimes we should. I'm again, I am nodding and it's a radio show, but I'm nodding in complete, complete agreement. So Jennifer, we talked about the long game before we, well, a few times we've talked about it. So we're going to get into it in the show today, but start us off by your backstory. Well, I, I went off to school immediately following high school um, to be pursue becoming a, a music therapist. Uh, at the time, music therapy was not well known. And the only reason I knew about it was because my granny had uh, heard about it. My granddad had suffered his second major stroke when he was 14 years old. When I was 14 years old, he was 62 years old. And Granny just thought it would be a good idea to uh, have me bring music to the bedside as part of um, our family visits. And so I would start doing that on a regular basis. 
it was during those times that we realized that music was just doing a lot more than we even expected it to do. It was drawing people together, people that were no longer able to remember some things, people that had uh, suffered strokes like my granddad, but were starting to sing along and hum along. So we were starting to see some evidence of what music was capable of. And when she heard of the the profession of music therapy that was starting to take hold here in Canada and North America, um, she said, Jen, I think you should look at this. And she went as far even as to write my reference letter, you can imagine, um, signing, writing a letter for me, signing it, Granny. And so she uh, sent that off. And I would pursue this career. Um, It's all I've done. Um, It's what I have stuck to since that time. And uh, my travels took me from graduating from my hometown in uh, uh, Lower Mainland, uh, British Columbia, to uh, moving to Calgary for my internship. And uh, I just have never left here. And I've stayed here for... uh, for the last 27 years of my career. And what, what does that look like for you when you, again, I know, but explain it to the listener. What does your career, what's a average week look like for you? Sure. Um, and probably like most entrepreneurs out there, an average week does not exist. Um, but what happens in um, our world, um, it's evolved over time for sure. When it was just me, it was building out a private practice, um, which would mean that I would have to find all those clients myself. It would mean traveling out, doing a lot of networking, a lot of sales calls. This was before computers. This was, um, it was when we're on the phone, creating contact and going out to meet people. And most of our work's within healthcare, so I knew where to start. I also knew where I felt really comfortable working, which was working with children with special needs and seniors um, in memory care. And so that was the first gateway, the beginning of it all. Uh, After about nine months of building up my private practice and realizing I was already up to working six days a week, 10-hour days, I th- I might be on to something that needed more people involved. And it was shortly after that that I would um, begin to realize that setting up a non-solo private practice, hiring a team, um, would be the best way for us to expand our community impact. And from there and the next 20 years, I would hire a new music therapist, almost one a year um, over those uh, first 20 years. And uh, we currently serve over 100 agencies in healthcare and education. Um, As you said, our youngest client's two months old. Our oldest is, I actually think our oldest right today is about 106 years old. And we go to um, an array of populations. So where you will find us, um, our community practice are what I would call generalists. So we're out in uh, mental health 
palliative care, trauma. Uh, we also work in neural rehabilitation uh, with people with stroke and brain injury. Uh, we also work with children with developmental disabilities. Um, we also provide corporate wellness program. It's all about bringing the capacity of what music is capable to do. There's two primary ways that we do this. Um, actually, I'm going to say there's three primary ways that we do this. One is a real functional approach to music therapy, which is using specific techniques that help people with the rehabilitation of speech, language, gait, um, something very functional and tangible. The other so give thing, us an example. So that would be using very specific techniques with someone who has lost the capacity of speech. Um, we will use um, very specific singing techniques, for example, okay. with the recovery of speech and tapping techniques and rhythm techniques to help with the recovery of speech. Um, the second way that we use music therapy is on the expressive side. There's numerous amounts of research um, that gives the evidence behind the fact of how quickly music can change our mood. And by using that in um, within vulnerable population groups, with people who are not having their best day, with people who are um, really struggling with depression, and anxiety, um, we work with um, using music live, um, often live through songwriting, through rhythm, through um, also helping them put together homework and purposeful playlists to and counseling questions, a lot of counseling questions, really getting to know them so they can start using music as a part of their day to assist with mood changes. So we will work with groups, we will work with individuals to help them do that. And then the third way that I feel we help is in the education side. And that's where we're using a lot of social media and video. We're using, um, I, I provide a lot, several pre presentations through the year. Um, where we're talking to people about the intentional use of music and how it can make a difference in their lives. I'm, I'm even more blown away because <laughs> it's more, is more than I even know it was. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking, again, we're talking about you being a pioneer and you had mentioned one other time that I had had spoken with you that when you had mentioned making this a business, mm -hmm. there's two parts to that. I think someone had said, you'll never make a business out of it. <laughs> and then yeah, someone in my first accountant. Actually. Okay. Okay. So tell, tell us that story and then I'll ask you my next question. So when, when I was talking about starting this healthcare business, um, which is essentially a private healthcare business, although we're working fully with nonprofits um, the majority of the time and we're within a universal healthcare system, music therapy, there's no 
funding from the government level for music therapy. So it has to come from different places. And so when I was explaining to my accountant, you know, the business model I wanted to do, I wanted to be mobile. I wanted to go to where the people were because it's hard for them to come out to where I would be. And I explained who our clients were. And he said, well, that business will never fly. (laughs) Here we are 27 years later and, um, and something has worked. Uh, And like you said at the beginning, um, there's a lot of testing in that, a lot of trial and error, a lot of hard work, but uh, that's ultimately what it, what we've had to do. And as you were explaining to your accountant, you know, what, what was the heart point? Because I tell people again, when you are in your, your heart business, you, there's, there seems to be that innate knowing or the intuition of, you know, maybe it's crazy, but at the time you, you could see further on than what was ahead of you. And again, listeners, this is 27 years ago. So again, why I love talking this business long game with Jennifer is because if you, if you see her now and you see her out, you know, speaking, presenting, winning awards, this 24 person team, you know, Jennifer and her team are everywhere. You do think that, wow, this just sprung up and look at the success. (laughs) So what was your what was your innate knowing that you could do this? You know, that's such a good question. It's, it it really, oh, I feel it's always a combination of things. So for sure, there was, there was enough evidence in the sessions that I had had to date that I saw benefit and huge amounts of potential um, that it was making a difference in people's lives. And coupled with the fact that research was really starting to happen, to be honest, um, because now you're starting to get the quantifiable data that's supporting uh, that evidence that I was just seeing in the sessions. But it was also coupled by the fact that the field itself was in an emerging place. And what I mean by that is um, that it wasn't just any, no longer just a laissez-faire sort of idea in someone's mind. Schools were were happening where uh, degree programs and and now master's programs uh, are training music therapists. They're doing um, a lot of the work of collecting information from around the world. So in some ways, And the reason why this has worked for me is I was at the right time. I was at the right place. Um, I didn't know the wave was about to really take off. And I've been fortunate to be a part of that wave. And, And in that, when you're a part of it and you're at the front of the wave, you've also got responsibility to make sure you're contributing to the wave in the right way. And, and you are taking in, I've got to constantly be thinking about all these different players, education and government and research and the nonprofit. And of course, um, you know, hiring staff and the right staff and what's paramount 
is what does that client need? Um, and what, you know, what is it that I have to do for them? Taking all those pieces together uh, has been um, wonderful, but it's also made me stay as accountable as I can. And there's a lot of responsibility that can come with that. And I think that's also why so many of us that are in trailblazing activities um, can feel that weight, that, that deeper weight. It's not tired. It's just that weight of, um, I, I, I know I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And, uh, and I need to be responsible to that. Again, I'm, I'm nodding because I get it. And I get it in the sense of, I refer to people when I'm talking to them on this show that we, we feel this divine calling. And I don't know how to explain it other, other than that it's what you're called to do and the responsibility of it. And I want you, we need to take a break, but as you were talking about that, I thought we were going to talk about your book towards the end when I was letting people go and I wanted to remind them about your book, but I think this is perfect to, for, to you to share after the break more about your book because it, it, it just came out this year, did it not? So I think that's the responsibility piece of you feeling like you had to write the book. Great. I look forward to talking about that. Okay, let's take a break. Are you a wellness professional looking to provide clients with meal plans that actually work without all the time and effort on your part? Meal Garden Professional is the answer to beautiful, easy nutritional coaching with everything you need for your clients and your business to thrive. Meal planning is key to healthy eating, but it shouldn't have to be hard. You can try MealGarden.com totally risk-free for seven days, and if you love it as much as I do, claim your 50% discount at the end of the free trial with special promo code LOVEBRANDU. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. We are back with Love Brand You and my guest, Jennifer Buchanan, uh, award-winning music therapist, speaker, author. Uh, I could go on and on. Jennifer, tell us about your book. I will. So, um, Sam, the one you're talking about, um, I actually have my second book coming out this year, but I want to talk about my first book first, because I really think um, when we're talking about our brand, um, I had to give a lot of thought to the first book. And the first book was uh, released in uh, 2012 initially, and we've done a second edition in 2015. And the, uh, the first book, Tune In, um, it came at a time where 
I, I honestly wasn't sure if my efforts um, were going to be able to continue at the pace they were to keep my, my business viable. Frankly, a lot of things were coming um, to a peak at that time. We were, um, you know, the late 2000s, we're starting to see that people are talking about an economic downturn is coming. Um, I know that I serve nonprofits and most of their funding for our services are coming from grants and donations. So I was given some indicators that might change. And so we had to really dig in to what we're doing, why we're doing it, and ultimately all those things that are your brand, but you almost have to amplify it all when you know that um, if when you're going to make it through a hard time. So I did two things. One is I decided it was time to write a book. And it was time to write a book because I wasn't sure if this was going to be the end of this part of my story. And my mom's always taught me, you end on a high note. So I knew the book was going to be what it was going to be. It was going to allow me to dig right on in and and revisit the previous 20 years like I've never done before. The stories, the strategies, the passion of the work, um, and just, again, what music is capable of in helping people feel more connected and more inspired and boost mood, all those things. And what I didn't realize is that book was so going to... Um, feed me into this next leg of the journey. So I wrote that book. I also, um, as I was writing it, began to conceptualize the next book, which is the one I'm writing right now. Um, because I, as I was writing that book, I was realizing the business side of it all that I'd also been going through. And, um, and I knew I need. I was, had some gaps that I still needed to fill. And so at the same time, right when I finished my book, I, um, I went and I, I did an MBA. And uh, I had never really thought that I was going to um, actually be able to do that. I went back to school at the same time my kids went to university. And I worked on my MBA and really focused on my business. As many papers as I could write on my own business, I would do so. And I began to look at those gaps, filling those gaps as best as I possibly could. And things began to shift. Um, They shifted from all those feelings we can have of being what others want us to be or feel we should be and becoming more, more of what you are. And my business just became more of what it already was. It was challenging. It was hard work again, but it was work that felt really good and exciting to work on again. And so here we are another seven years later, post-book, post-MBA, 
And my second book is hopefully going to help other healthpreneurs like me um, move forward with their private practice, with their small businesses, um, with a guide that can help them that I am dedicating to my younger self. It's the book that I wish I would have had when I started at 21. I, I love that because women like you and other guests or even myself, this is what we tell the people that we're leading. You know, what is it? that I wish I would have known or how can I help those? Again, it's that sense of responsibility and you're, you have put in, I mean, I'm, I'm adding it up as you're talking and I'm thinking, okay, this is absolutely undeniably way more than 10,000 hours, probably 20, 30, you know, you're, you're, you're honing into absolute, you know, elite, level of what you're doing and not to make light of it and but you couldn't do it if you didn't love it with your heart and soul could you not I totally agree and and again on the in my case because I'm in such a um, human to human field um, I still go I I'm out one full day a week um, providing clinical in order to stay connected to the front line um, that frontline work is what reminds you why you're doing all the other things you're doing because it can off you can forget. And I know there's a lot of debate out there about how much you work on your business and in your business. Um, I really do feel it's important to always have a blend of those two things because they inform one another and uh, they will help you move forward and. Uh, you know, it's all about these baby steps, these next little steps that we have to take uh, because that's all we can do if we're in it for the long game. You're, I was recently asked if, uh, if when, when I catapulted, when my business catapulted and I went, oh my gosh, I'm still waiting for the catapult. There's been no catapult. It's really a little baby step. I mean, some days there's a bit bigger leap but most of the time it might be a quarter of a step or a half a step <laughs> that you're taking. Um, and sometimes you go backwards three steps and then you got to make up five, you know, and this is, this is how it goes. I'm so glad that you said that because I, even in my own teaching and my own clients or speaking and, and again, like you and many entrepreneurs, I find I have to have a blend of the different parts of my business as well. One, I, I think that as entrepreneur, well, for me, I can't speak for everybody else. I get bored very easy. I need, I need different facets of my business, whether it be speaking, talking with clients, mentoring, uh, writing, doing this show. This is, you know, a new thing for me since last year. And I love doing the show, but it also does inform, but it also helps us with our people that we mentor our clients because they see that we are doing the very, very same steps that I, like I say to my clients, again, there is no catapult. For me, there wasn't, people will say to me too, like what, you know, you, you seem to have made it. And, 
again, I'm, I'm talking 16 years for me. But the first 10 were very part-time when my girls were young. And I still, I still blend my family life with my business. And is it easy? No, but it's what I love to do. And I wanted to make a clarification that because somebody had said to me, oh, it seems that you, that you just, you know, do what your kids need and then you do your business. I'm like, no, 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 that's not my, my children are still teens and I like to take them to school and, and, you know, make their lunch, but they also serve as supports and, and they get to see me the way Mm -hmm. I do my business. And sometimes they have to wait. I had to take my, I had to take my daughter to wait in the car while I was teaching a class last week, because I said, I have no time to get you home. And we have to finish what you need me to help you with, which was a critical, you know, uh, we had to get it done that day for her. And I said, Oh, well, you're, you're waiting. That's just part of our life. Don't you feel then? Yeah. It's much more integrated everything's so much more integrated and you might be also doing some of these things that could be perceived as personal when one of your best business ideas strikes <laughs> like, oh, like 150% what yeah. hands down and i i don't know how many times i could say you you hit it you hit it right there okay mm-hmm. keeping on that vein um what is one of your best daily habits. I ask every guest that because I think it's powerful, whether it's a personal habit, a business habit, keeping on the vein that it's the small steps that we do daily that continue to impact our own greatness. Yeah. You know, I gave, and I've heard you ask this question and, you know, I, I wish I was one of those people that had this beautiful list of what I do between five and six 30 in the morning. And I'm just, I've, I haven't been that person. This is, this is what I can tell you. What I know for sure is I would enter probably 95% of every day with a similar mindset. I'm a, I, I, I immediately start my day with, I'm, I would say I'm quite open uh, to, to what's going to come. Um, I would say I'm actually not a perfectionist. Again, when you're with, um, when you work in the field, like I'm working in the field, you're working with people that, um, are often struggling with really big stuff and uh, it puts perspective into just how you're going to face your day. But with that said, and I can remember thinking this about year three or four in, I was working with um, a two-year-old who uh, had cerebral palsy and he was just learning how to use his voice because it was hard. He was just learning how to walk because it was hard. He was just learning how to communicate non-verbally and verbally, and it was all challenging. 
And I can remember spending uh, 30 minutes with him um, and working on all these different things, speech and movements and dancing and all sorts of things. And I went, he's putting in 100% to do every little thing I, I am seeing, I am witnessing right now. And that really continues to encourage me uh, to work. Like I said earlier, it's deeper. It's not necessarily broader, but working a little deeper into what you're doing, a a little greater intention, um, more meaningfulness in every little thing. With that said, I just uh, heard Karen Radford speak. If you want to look her up, she's basically brilliant. And Karen um, has just did some time in India after being a high-powered exec and came back and she learned a lot. And when I was talking to her after, I was saying about that pressure of working every day at 100%. And she said, no, 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 no. She says that what I've learned is if we're going to go um, how the Taoists believe, it's actually working fully, fully at 70%. And I went, oh. And she said, yeah, you always need to leave margin for when something goes awry. And so it's about working fully at 70% every day. And I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. I like it that we can often get caught up in, you know, as much as we talk about the blood, sweat and tears and the hard work, sometimes we lose sight of that, that maybe there's a different mindset that we can think about. And, you know, just like you had one of your peers say that to you, that just Mm -hmm. think about it this way. So totally. Oh, there's so much learning. Listeners, I could go back and listen to this whole conversation, which I will. Um, what is, no, how, how can our listeners get a hold of your book? Share that with us. I want you to share that with us before we're off the show here. Well, you can definitely fine tune in um, on all the online sites. So you can find it there. Um, you can also connect with me directly if you ever want to at jenniferbuchanan.ca. And the second book, I'm going to be sharing that with the world. It looks like January, 2019. Okay, perfect. Listeners, I'll have uh, jenniferbuchanan.ca. Uh, Jennifer Buchanan. That's the one. Okay. I'll have that on the show page. and. Tell us what your what what are you learning now? What's up next? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. What am I learning now? Um I think there's a little bit in what I was just saying about um the maintaining of margins. So uh when you enter this next phase in your career, so you're pre-retirement, but you're post-building, and now you're looking much more at the sustainability and, and some next steps again there. Um it's it 
it's if you're going to maximize that level of openness of um, organically seeing where your business is going to grow, um, what what people you're about to meet in front of you, um, you need to keep some margin. You can't be so um, full and busy that that those opportunities aren't even able to come in. And I'm feeling that. Um, I often say, ooh, something's brewing, and you can feel that things are brewing in your life. And, and, uh, and that's when you actually need to leave a little bit more margin. I find mine uh, by writing. Um, I, the, <laughs> the other gift that TuneIn gave me is I had never written before. I just, um, writing was a new thing. And how I got into TuneIn is I started with blogging more for myself, um, just getting used to the language again, um, how to put a sentence together that had some emotional content, like all those things. And so I worked on it and so writing is a place where I can find some margin, um, really appreciating um, just the world around me and the teachers around me. Um, I love staying open to these amazing voices that are out there, the positive voices that are saying some wonderful things and um, taking time with that. It's so important. And, you know, you're saying margin and I, I often refer to it as space. I leave space in my routine or my day. And again, as creative people and listeners, this is this, if you're, if you're new to your business, which I've, you know, I've got feedback that lots of, of new entrepreneurs say, Oh, I love listening to your show because I learned so much. So speaking to to some of the the newer entrepreneurs coming into your business that that space or the margin or the time is critical and to understand that because you are doing nothing it's not really nothing because it is that thinking time it's the quiet time I don't think entrepreneurs are ever doing Thing. No. And, and I laughed, I laughed with somebody else last week, we were having that very conversation that, that the beauty of being an entrepreneur is, we can be on whenever we want to be on because, and, and I'll say it to my kids, I'll say it to my kids that, you know what, I might look like I'm sitting here doing nothing, but I just need this time to myself, because something is brewing in my head. I can feel it. I can, I can know that energy of something is ready to evolve and I need to allow it just, just to happen. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Jennifer, we're to almost to the end here and I know that I have to let you go. So give us your best parting words of wisdom. Stay focused on the mission of what you're doing. Uh, Stay focused on the purpose of everything that your business encompasses, um, especially to help you through the difficult times. Um, Be gentle on yourself when you make a mistake. And uh, 
and 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 you can just move from that and remember that you're most likely not going to catapult so just take that next little step whatever that will be and i really believe a lot the day will tell you exactly what's going to be required that day to take you that next step i totally agree thank you thank you so much for being here today jennifer we've got so much wisdom from you throughout the whole show and i love knowing more about your story listeners you can find out more about jennifer like i said earlier at jenniferbuchanan.ca and i'll have that on the show page so you can just click on the link and you can find her book again thanks jennifer thank you I'm Sam Rafis. This is Love Brand You. Thank you for being here. And until next time, keep sharing the love. Love Brand You with Sam Rafis. If you like what you heard on today's show, head to iTunes and subscribe to Love Brand You. You can leave a comment, a review, or send Sam a note for recommendations on a future guest you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks for listening to Love Brand You with Sam Rafis. For more, visit samrafus.com. S-A-M-R-A-F-O-S-S dot com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.